This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. Spreading the good word of hard rock and classic metal all over the world every single week. That's us. It's the Decibel Geek Podcast. And welcome to it. I'm Aaron Camaro. Chris Sinzak, you know him, you love him. He's not going to be joining me for the introduction, but that's all right. We'll get through it. We're going to have a good time this week. We're celebrating something really awesome, and that's the 30th anniversary of anthrax spreading the disease. Oh, yeah. We've got a great guest for you. We've got Sean Franklin, and Sean has got an amazing story about how he's come to work with anthrax and his hand in helping bring the 30th anniversary edition of the anthrax spreading of the disease album to us right now in 2015. And we're going to get to all all that and check that out in a minute if you're checking us out right now man i'm glad you are we're in for a good time if you're checking us out you're probably doing it on itunes right yeah probably on itunes downloaded it there why not it's a nice easy way to do it if you're on itunes you want to do us a solid you can do it real easy just leave us one of those sweet five star itunes reviews they tell us it means so much we're trying to make a name for ourselves and prove that hard rock and classic metal is still very very important in the modern age which it is we prove it every single week so here's a good example for you if you want to know how it's done this one comes from Crack, and it was given to us on tw- October 22nd, 2015. <laughs> this is from Crack. <laughs> All right, here, here it goes. This is how it is. Can't even remember how I stumbled onto the Decibel Geek podcast, but sure I am glad I did. When you don't get any metal played on the radio here in Adelaide, South Australia, it's good to know that you can download every week to get your fix of news, reviews, stories, and general metal talk about all the bands that I grew up with. Love the different themed shows, and of course, getting my kiss fix. Look forward to the next hit every week. Great work, Aaron and Chris. Fantastic. All the way from Adelaide, South Australia. We love it anytime we get iTunes reviews. We love to share them back with the people. So, you know, people get confused and think, oh, man, it's so hard to do. And, you know, it ain't that bad. Look look how great that one was. Five stars right there. That's the way we like it. And, of course, man, I'd be remiss if I didn't give props to my men, my dudes, my Northwoods brothers, Rich the Meister Dylan and Wally Gator Norton for their fantastic Decibel Geek episode last week. I love those guys so much. They're always watching out for me and Chris, making sure we get Thanksgiving week off. It's been great. It's been a good one. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving, and I know everybody enjoyed last week's episode. And how do I know this? Because we got a whole lot of Geeks of the Week this week. All you got to do is go on Facebook and like the page, share it, share the link when it comes out. Every single week this episode comes out, boom, there's notes and lets you know everything that's going on. You click on that, you like it, you share it, you're a geek of the week, and we read your name on the show. If you're on Twitter, you retweet it, you know, get the word out. You Basically, you're just working as our, uh, our marketing department, and we need it because we're grassroots, and we're not some fancy dudes that, you know, were famous already and then got into podcasting. There's plenty of them out there, and a lot of them are really good, but we're just normal dudes trying to rock and roll and teach you guys something new about hard rock and classic metal all the time. So that's what we do, and we couldn't do it without the support of our Geeks of the Week, and here they are. It's Joe Royland, Sit and Spin with Joe, PJ Brown, Tim Enquist, my man Baco, Sean Irwin, Kevin Williams, Dave Shirt, Rob Harris, Mark Taylor, Billy Hardaway, 
Andrew Jacobs, Brian Knapp, Ian Wadley of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm going on that show one of these days, I promise you. Rock and Ron Runyon, Andrew Jacobs. Oh, he's on there twice. Way to go, Andrew. Wayne Cross, Greg Johnson, Trevor McDougal, Mike Blount, Ernesto Aguilar, Derek Novak, I love these people, Adam Cox, Colin Francis, Daniel Lee, Mikhail Burrell, Daniel Chaput, TJ Cullen, my man Hoops, Jay Shizblewski, I love that name, the Meister, of course, the Mooger Fooger, he's back, Spencer Edwin Robson, Phil Fiusa, Sean Kelly, a Rebel Few, and John Courtney. Thank you guys so much for getting out there and helping us spread the word. And helping us spread the disease. And that's exactly what we're doing today. Chris is going to be jumping in with us just in a second here as we are joined by Sean Franklin. And you're going to love this. He's got an amazing story to tell. Check it out. What's going on, Sean? How you doing, man? How you doing? How you doing? We're doing fantastic. It's awesome to have you on with us tonight. Oh, I'm <laughs> I'm so honored to be here. This is so awesome. Because I mean, I totally, totally love your show. Oh, cool, man! Yeah, we as um it. as a hardcore Kiss fan, it's you know, it's it's just a nice thing to go to. It's like, you know, when you guys have like interviews, with, like various people and everything. It's it's just it's an awesome thing. And and uh, I I totally appreciate your knowledge of Kiss too. It's um you know not a bunch of uh, idiots talk about Kiss. It's like you guys really know your stuff. And uh, it's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate Very that. Very cool, man. man. That's awesome. The truth Thanks. is, the truth is, I don't know anything about Kiss. I just look at Wikipedia all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. And I, and I don't take any notes. It's just from listening to Kiss since I was an infant. It's all burnt <laughs> into oh, my man. brain. It's in my psyche. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like I, I, I got into Kiss when I was four years old in '76. And, um, you know, my brother brought home the, the single for Calling Dr. Love, and we had no idea they even wore makeup or anything. We just loved the music. Yeah. And I'd just been a, you know, and then that's it. That just shaped my life. And it's like I've been a hardcore Kiss fan since, well, 1976, you know? Well, you're definitely and it's one like, of us then. I just, I don't know. It's, it's awesome. It's, there's, um, there's different ways to approach it. The way that I feel is like, you have KISS fans like yourselves who just, you guys have a lot of fun with it and, you know, you just, you love the band and all that stuff. And it's like, then there's other like podcasts who uh, start the hate and, and all that stuff. And and it's like, you know what? It's just, I love the band. It's like, I, I just don't want the, the, uh, the baggage and, right, the and drama all that stuff, that you know? goes along with it. Sure, you know, that's like the old controversy creates cash, both of those with K's. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Right. That's funny. Cool. So um, but the subject that we're talking about today is, and the reason we're having you on, is the Anthrax re-release, I guess, the 30th anniversary edition. Yeah, we're of celebrating. Spreading the disease, Sweet. which you yeah. actually had a hand in helping create. Yes, I did. I had a major hand in that. Um, okay, so that story goes, I would say, about a year and a half ago. I've been working with Chuck D from Public Enemy for, well, I've, I've, I've actually been affiliated with Chuck D 
um, since 2001, my band, The Scallions, which is a power pop avant-garde band, signed with Slam Jams, which is Chuck's label, in 2001. And so, like, off and on, I've done things. And pretty much, it's it, it's been a thing where it's it's always been about the band. But I would say about it, like, almost like two years ago, my wife has been staying home to homeschool our children and everything. And it's like, you know, I need extra cash to come in. So I really opened up this whole um, uh, mixing and mastering and, and, and all that stuff, like uh, trying to open that up as a uh, business and everything. Yeah. I talked to Chuck about that uh, maybe like a year and a half. Yeah, 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 like a year and a half ago. I talked to Chuck, and, and I'm like, you know, what can I do to, um, you know, get this going? Can I – can I use your name on my resume and stuff like that? And, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, sure, 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 sure. And then all of a sudden, like five minutes later, the phone rings and he's like, you know, listen, you know, I can do that, but what about actually working for me personally, you know, as the company and all that stuff. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that. It was awesome. He's so basically Chuck hired me like about a, a year and a half ago to, um, you know, do stuff for his label and public enemy and all that stuff. And from that point I started to reach out and I'm like I'm like, what bands do I want to actually work with and do stuff with? And then I'm like, you know, one of one of them was like I'm like, I love Anthrax so much. I'm like, I would love to do something with Anthrax and and I actually uh tweeted out um saying that I could do some stuff with Anthrax and um, I could do stuff with uh, uh, the disease and, you know, let's see what can happen. And then Charlie actually tweeted me back. And he's like, you know, I, I'd like to hear it. And then that's where the whole thing started. Wow. So that's how Holy this got shit. started was you saying, I would love to do something with this album. Yeah. And so then, you're kind of the, the spark that caused this. Yes. That's wow. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. What a trip. So, that's um, cool. Uh, basically. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's 30 years later. Whole, the, it's an album worth celebrating for sure. Oh, absolutely. I love it. I mean, I, I've been into Anthrax. They've they basically been, like, my favorite of the, the big four since, like, 1986. Yeah. Like, Anthrax is my favorite. And those are my guys. And I love those guys and everything. And, um... So it's almost like me reaching out using Chuck's name got me this whole thing. And then all of a sudden I'm talking to Charlie and that was the catalyst of the whole thing. And here we go. And now all of a sudden um, Charlie has been sending me stuff um, constantly. I've got like almost like probably 70 tapes of the Anthrax catalog at my house. Wow. Like like dats and cassettes and like all stuff from the archives. Wow. Sweet. Mm-hmm. When's the eBay auction started? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I don't know, it's it's been totally, totally wild. It's like um one of those things where you just never expect that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, again, these these guys are like one of my favorite bands in the whole world. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like this whole thing starts to happen. It's like, well, hey, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? We can do this. We can do this. And here we go. And it's like that I've been dealing with Megaforce and Universal for this spread the disease thing. And 
I don't. It's just it's totally wild, totally awesome. It is awesome, man. And that is one of the coolest stories I think I've ever heard. For people that don't, <laughs> don't know, what exactly was your role as far as what what are you credited as on the on the album? I am actually credited as I think assembly and editing, but it kind of goes beyond that. The whole thing started as um, Charlie was saying how he wants to do like a spread the disease thing sent me, like I said, sent me all that stuff, and it was kind of like left as that. And then all of a sudden, it's it, it's not like it's like, I don't touch Charlie like every single day, but it's like, all of a sudden it's like, hey man, you know, uh, what are you holding up for spreading disease stuff? I'm like, oh well, okay, well I started going through some of these tapes, but I mean, again, with these tapes, it's a, it's a total treasure trove mm-hmm. of anthrax stuff. It's yeah. for the fans. I mean, I have, like, so much stuff at this house of, like, them at their rehearsal studios working on stuff for, like, Persistence of Time, Steady Euphoria, you know, just them, like, working on things and and demoing things or, like, Persistence, like, with Scott Ian, like, singing almost the whole album. Oh, wow. Yep, yep, basically just, like, going through the whole thing, like, the whole album and to demo to Joey, and there's so much stuff, and I'm, like, starting to, like, archive this stuff, like, catalog this yeah, stuff, and then know, yeah. and then all of a sudden, like, out of the blue, you know, Charlie's, like, you know, what do you got for spring stuff? I'm, like, well, there's not that much, but there's this, 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 and I'm, like, well, why? What's going on he's like all of a sudden it's like well we're gonna we're gonna go through this whole thing with the you know of our universal and make this thing happen and it's like holy crap <laughs> you know yeah and then next thing you know here we go the freaking uh disease 30th anniversary is like actually you know taking shape and everything and i'm like oh my god so i actually assembled and compiled everything. There was all the the live stuff on the bonus disc. Mm-hmm. Uh, I basically made a, a you know, like a live show out of a whole bunch of tracks from like different dates and everything, and edited it to like make it seem like it's like one live show of like one live night. All right, honey, and, kiss alive. Dude. Yep. <laughs> and um, uh, there was like uh, Joey's. Uh, I think it's Med- uh, was a Medusa, the uh, demo. He did for the band. I put that on there. Yep. Um, I pretty, I, I, I mean, I pretty much spearheaded almost the whole thing. And some of the stuff I, I read up on here, I want to share some information that about this album. Re, uh, for the reissue from the beginning, uh, Charlie has kept one of everything the band did: artwork, T-shirts, posters, and when the band was recording, he had the engineer run off a few tapes of the project's basic tracks, alternate takes, and alternate mixes, just to stockpile until the time came they would be needed. Yeah, um, now was the time. And in addition to the original album's nine tracks, which we're going to go track by track through the album and our, our opinion on it and everything. The two-disc anniversary edition features unreleased bonus material, including, as you mentioned, Joey Belladonna's 84 demo of Medusa, nine rhythm tracks from the recordings done in 84 with no vocals, no overdubs, no sweetening or anything. kind of shows their songs in their naked form. Yeah. Um, and then eight live songs from Anthrax's 87 first-ever concert in Japan held at Tokyo Sun Plaza. There's a quota here that Spreading the Disease was our first real record on a major label, says Charlie. We were on a roll with that album. We want to perform those songs as close to the album versions as possible. I think the performances show the excitement of a young band that was on its way, so we wanted to have them on the reissue. And I listened to the live tracks, and it's it, it's pretty much a band on fire if you listen yeah. to it. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree totally. I agree totally. 
Okay, as far as everything you're talking about, I'm with you the whole way. I think the band was on fire. And with all this, like, raw material and everything we're putting together and everything, it's even the rhythm tracks. You listen to those rhythm tracks, those guys were, like, just killing it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's, with no, that's with like, basically, like, no dance bits, no Joey Belladonna. And they're just, they're, they're killing it. And it sounds so awesome. And the way that I feel is, like, this album from Fifth Fill of Metal is, like, such a huge quantum leap. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like, this, to me, this album was, like, the album was going to shape these guys' lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Fistful is cool. Neil Turbin is cool. But it's with Joey and the band. It's It was going to take these guys on a whole other journey. And that's what's so exciting to work on this stuff. Because it's like, if, if I was actually working on, like, um, Fistful of Metal stuff, it's like, that would be cool, too. You know, I'd total respect, you know, Dan Loker on bass and, right. you, know, sure. you know, Neil Turbin and all this stuff. But it's like, for this album, it was such an honor, though. Yeah. Totally. As a fan, you know, think about that. I didn't even know there was such an occupation as rock and roll archaeologist, but you might have the greatest job on the fucking planet. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's true. It's true. Um, He's down in the catacombs bringing back the uh, the ancient anthrax that nobody's ever heard before. It's freaking awesome. <laughs> Well, I totally add, think it's awesome. Well, you know, let's and let's talk about. Let's go through a little bit of the history before this album. As you said, you know, they put out Fistful of Metal with Neil Turbin singing and Dan Lokor on bass. So then Neil and Dan are are they're they're fired or they quit depending on who you believe in everything. And Frank Bello gets brought in on bass, who was only eighteen at the time of this album. Yeah, yeah, and, it's crazy, huh? And then Joey, but but before Joey though, they had a guy that they were planning on making a singer named Matt Fallon, who was in a band with Dave Sabo called Steel Fortune at the time. And right. they, and I guess the guy was good live, but I've listened. This guy also was going to be the singer for Skid Row right, for a while. Yeah. And I've that's li- crazy, huh? And I've heard the demos. I haven't heard the demos with Anthrax, but I've heard the demos he did with Skid Row, and the guy's not very good. And he just he just doesn't I think have it. that. Again, this is this is this is like totally as a fan. Yeah. Um, this is the way that I feel. <laughs> you, you want to go like go to like Dan Nielsen or whatever. It's like I think Joey Belladonna is the voice of this band. Yeah, when you think of Anthrax, you either think of one or two guys, and it's usually not Neil Turbin, and it's never Matt Fallon. But I'm just saying, it's like even uh, the uh, Anthrax debate on your show. Yeah, uh, you, you did the whole thing with like, oh, I care of the guy's name, Victor but from Mars Attacks. Yeah, Victor. Yes. So there's the whole uh, Belladonna and the Bush thing, and, it, and I'm, I'm just saying this is my personal opinion. But it's like for me, it's like Belladonna is the voice of Anthrax. It just, I don't know, to me it just goes. I mean, I, I remember the first time I heard AIR yeah. hearing Belladonna's vocals. I'm like, this is something so unique because it's like, it's that total thrash metal thing, but, you know, with a guy who can sing. Right. And, you know, that, 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 again, that's just my personal opinion, but it's like, you know, like you can take like, you know, X, Y, Z, but I don't know, to me, when Joey was in the band, it's like, so awesome. Well, yeah, because that's kind of like the story of the band is like Chris saying, so Neil Turbin's fired right after the tour for Fistful of Metal. And then right. they, they go into the studio with that Matt Fallon guy, the poor guy, man, to be a singer in Anthrax and Skid Row, but not no during success. 
during the lean years, you know, and, and know that it's got to kind of be because you are the creating the lean years. <laughs> but, so, they, so they take him out to the studio and he doesn't work. Oh. So they bust his ass home and are sitting in the studio going, what are we going to do? You know, and so then somebody suggests Joey Belladonna. Right. You get this guy from upstate New York. And then all of a sudden he comes in and it's like, you know, you just listen. Just listen to his focus for like the, the intro for Armed and Dangerous. Yeah. I mean, I love, you know, quote unquote old school Metallica and everything, but it's yeah. like, you know, and I love Slayer. I love Hell 8. But to me, it's like, I don't know. I think Joey just brought that different element, and I think that's why I'm so attracted to it. Well, and I think, too, because the story, when Joey Belladonna shows up, he's looking more like the lead singer of Poison than he yeah. is the lead singer of Slayer. Right, right. You know, it's, and, it's, and it's like, um, you know, jo- Joey Belladonna is going to front, like, Journey right. or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, his audition, he sang Oh, Sherry by Steve Perry. Exactly. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. And that's what cracks me up as I read the quote from Scott Ian going, when he sang the first line of Oh, Sherry, we like, this is the right fit. And I'm thinking, how <laughs> Crazy does this sound. <laughs> Again, what set him apart? I, I, yeah. I think it's one of those things where it's like, say what you will. There's a there's a complete like division of the camps. People love De- uh, Belladonna. People love. John Bush, and like to me, I, I, again, this is this is my opinion, but it's like I'm I'm a, a Belladonna uh, guy. I mean, I have total respect for John Bush, and I love Armored Saint. I I truly do, but it's like to me, I, I don't know. It, it, it's just like Belladonna is the man for Anthrax. I mean, again, it, you know, you guys may disagree, but I'm just saying, it's just that's the way that I feel. I'm I'm happy with either of them, honestly. Right? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. the new stuff they're coming out with is fantastic. Yeah, I have no. Oh, it's so sick. And in that respect, I'm really glad Joey Belladonna's sure. back. And, and then the fact you look at what John Bush is doing with Armored Saint right now, and they just came out with a new album, and it's freaking awesome, too. Oh, so, definitely. Yeah, and like so. I said, you know, with, with John Bush, I mean, the guy the guy can sing his butt off. He's awesome. And and I love Armored Saint. I'm just saying, it's just my thing. Or it's like my personal feeling where, you know, him and Anthrax is like, I don't know, just with Joey, it just seems so right. Well, the thing with Joey is... Not he, on he, paper, you know? He, but, I mean, he's it's it's one of those unorthodox things, but it likes the band had the foresight to, when they heard him audition, to go, he's different than everything out there. Yeah. That's exactly why we're going to hire him. Right. You know? mm-hmm. And he didn't... It, and he even admits himself he didn't even know what the hell thrash metal was when he oh totally you you hear those stories he's like the first time he actually saw a pet he was like whoa what's this you know yeah I mean it wasn't his thing but I can imagine what was going through that guy's mind when he shows up is Ithaca New York is that quite a ways out of the city is that out in the middle of nowhere yeah because he's like he's basically like upstate New York uh huh so he gets on the bus, goes all the way out there to audition for this band on the word of somebody else. He shows up thinking this is some kind of journey thing and then listens to what these guys are laying down. What's going through that guy's mind, you know? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> okay. That's so funny. He was oh, like, absolutely. He probably heard it and was like, okay, I'm not your guy. I'll leave now. <laughs> but, but, instead, but instead of doing that, he said, you know what? Let me try it, you know, and look what they created. A fucking awesome mm-hmm. album. Well, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Freaking Spring the Disease is totally amazing. So, um, yeah, like like I said, I mean, um, making this thing... Making this thing happen with the band has just been like I don't know. It's like my one of my career highlights. What what an exciting what an exciting 
fucking thing. All of a sudden, it's like freaking Charlie sends me like a text message or whatever, and it's like like a picture of the credits, yeah. and it says like uh, editing assembly by Sean Franklin, and it's like, whoa, my god, it just blows my mind. That's so cool. I I, I basically took the spreading stuff that was in the archive as far as the Sun Plaza show and. Well, actually, there's a couple shows from Japan, but that stuff and and the rhythm tracks just and I I basically picked out the ba- the best of the best. Like I I picked out like um you know what rhythm tracks we should use, what we shouldn't use, and dealing with Universal. It was just what a rush. It was just a, it was such a rush. It was almost like at a point where like Charlie's like you know what you deal with this. You know you you tell these guys what we're doing and. And everything, and and I basically, like I said, spearheaded the whole thing. Obviously, Charlie is the executive producer and all that stuff, but I'm just saying it's uh, as far as like like uh, picking out like what tracks we're going to use, and uh, you know, kind of like sailing this thing down to you know what it became. Like I said, I, I definitely had a major hand and all that stuff, and and to see it come out and to see it like being. Um, respected by fans and everything it's just just such a freaking cool thing yeah and it's gotten like really good media attention i've you know found articles in rolling stone about yeah. it and it's you know it's gotten definite good talk in the press so, you know I mean, and i think that's the beauty of it i mean for the anthrax fans sure. for the hardcore anthrax fans to know that this is in the hands of a hardcore anthrax fan you know you're going to get the best of the best man we appreciate it so much no i totally appreciate you guys say that that's awesome and the cool thing is like i said to, to be totally honest honest with you guys i mean like <laughs> this is like almost like the tip of the iceberg i mean you wouldn't even believe again you, you you just would not believe what i have at my house right now of anthrax stuff so when the um, anniversaries of these other albums come out we can expect even more cool stuff to come along with them right um i that there's there's probably gonna be more than that. Me and Charlie uh, have been talking about different things. There might be definitely more uh, in the future than you might believe. I mean, there's probably gonna be more stuff. Nice. So, is there a lot of like unreleased songs, like songs that not, never made it on albums? Not not so much unreleased songs, but the thing is that there's like entire practice tape from their like you know their jam set, you know jam room or whatever. Yeah. Um, so say like it was like persistence and they're working on like one song. It's like, it could be like, like the song blood from persistence. It's like, it could go on for like 20 minutes and there's like an entire practice session from that. And then like, you know, Scott and Charlie trying to work on some beats or, or whatever. I mean, there's so much stuff. Man, that's beautiful. So let's, um, let's dig in a little bit to this album. And I want to mention one more thing as far as the history of it goes that I find interesting that before they found Joey, there's a, a quote from Scott Ian saying that they were in a rough situation without a singer. Right. He says, we were so desperate, we were actually entertaining the idea of becoming a four-piece. And he says, like Kiss, we'd have two singers. Frankie would be Paul, and I would be Gene. <laughs> because Frankie had a clean singing voice, and I could do a hardcore kind of thing. We'd split up the songs, and that was literally our plan B, because we didn't know what we were going to do, and we couldn't sit on it much longer. Nobody was thrilled with that idea. <laughs> Mostly me and Frankie were not thrilled with it, but we wow. figured if that's what we have to do to finish the record, then let's do it. So thank God they found Joey Belladonna. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> Man. All right, so um, All right. 
so let's dig into the album. I think you should, we'll just do a track by track, I guess. Yeah, sure. Let's go All run right. them right down the line, man. We ain't got no shortage of good tunes in this no, one. That's a, it's a good mm-hmm. album. It, the opening track, man, AIR, what is that? Adolescence and Revolt? Is that what we decided that was? <laughs> uh, was it Adolescence in Red? In Red? Yeah. I have no idea. I just, thought, no I idea? just thought the song was called Air. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is one of my favorite Anthrax songs of all time, man. Like that song, that song is a smoker. I mean, it's, it's a total it's smoker. Hooky, and the thing heavy, is, awesome. it's to me, I love the song so much. I mean, you know, just just Joey's vocals, you know, young and fine, somebody young all day. But it's like, I just love Charlie's blast. You know. Charlie kills it. songs like if you were going to go to somebody that wasn't never heard of anthrax before and just was like you could play one song for them that's going to grab them i agree i agree because you know what that was the one that did to me i mean basically like um i would say in 86 i have already heard master puppets and rain and blood and then uh it was my brother my brother actually showed me spreading and i hadn't i actually haven't heard it yet that was the first thing i heard it was like that was the first song i heard from anthrax i'm like that was it yeah. In 1986, I mean, it just totally rocked my world. I'm like, these guys are awesome. And to me, these guys were something different, you know. And then, and of course, like once things go on and they, you know, like all their comic inspirations and yeah. wearing jams and mixing hip hop and, you know, I mean, all right. So Showing there you go, uh, mixing hip hop in metal, whatever. I mean, you know, the whole bring the noise thing. I mean, I know when that came, that day, that thing came out. It was like totally incredible. 
You didn't know Chuck D or Charlie back then. Not yet. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I, this, this, the, it's interesting that this song um, is the album opener, and it's a good statement for the chemistry of the band because this was the one tune that hadn't been written when Joey came into the band. So yeah. Exactly. This That's what's to- so awesome. That's what's so awesome. Yeah, this came together after he joined the band, so it's, oh, wow. it was yeah. kind of a good statement of this is us. Yeah, because a lot of these songs were written in the Neil Turbin era by... You know, Neil Turbin had a hand in he, a lot of these songs, He wrote two of the right? tunes, yeah. 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 Well, sure, and that's and that's what's so cool about those rhythm tracks that are on the spreading deluxe edition, where it's like Joey wasn't even part of the band yet. Yeah, yeah. So they were written you know? in, in limbo at the time. Exactly, and and that's and and that's a, I swear to God, it's like maybe some fans or maybe some people like actually wouldn't really get into those tracks but for me I love those tracks on the bonus disc as far as the rhythm tracks because to me I find it so interesting because obviously you know Scott Ian and Frank Bello and Charlie I mean that's the hardcore rhythm section and to hear those guys like just like pulverizing those tracks, it's like to me, it's just so cool. Yeah, well, especially if you're a musician, you know, like if, right. you, if you're right. a bassist or guitarist or drummer, you can. It's no no disrespect to Joey, but it's the uh, the lyrics are are kind of you know stripped away, and you can listen to how the song sounds. Yeah, in that right, right, right. It's almost like um like if you want to take like um it's a it's a different situation, but like the Beatles, like Let It Be Naked, like right. like a different like a different take on an album or a different version of the album. Like to me, it's like those tracks. So it's like I just find them so interesting. You yeah. know? No, it's it's true. It's true. I mean, I enjoy stuff like that. I, mean, I like yeah. hearing, I like hearing how songs are worked out. So, yeah, I mean, definitely. Mm-hmm. Here. And then, of course, you go to Lone Justice, which is track two. Lone Justice. That track kills me. Yeah. I swear to God. I love Frank Bellow's bass in that track. Mm-hmm. The Lone Justice, that's actually part of the uh, Jap- the Japan tr- um, live stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I w- they've actually done that recently on a few select dates or whatever. It's like, I wish they would bring that song back in, like, True Fold. It's yeah. an awesome song. I love that song. think these thrash metal bands of the time they all came they were they were the result of the new wave of british heavy metal Mm -hmm. and people don't always do the association with it but you listen to a song like this you know anthrax is the babies of iron maiden no Mm -hmm. doubt about it you know and you can hear the song and like you say with the bass it's got that that galloping kind of punishing bass of a steve harris you know so intricate but so heavy at the same time you know i love it you can definitely hear a lot of iron maiden 
Wade in well, that. And, and I also will, you know, of course, i got to bring Kiss into the discussion. With Frank Bellow being a massive Kiss fan, I will say you can hear the early Gene Simmons influence in his playing because yeah. he's doing oh, walking definitely. And I, I swear to God, it's like, you know what, let's... Yeah, and, but I mean, like, if you hear that, listen to Bellow play on this album, you'll hear a lot of that in his yeah. playing because it's, it's real musical bass lines. He's not just being a pocket player. He's actually going all over the fretboard. Oh, and God, no. Definitely no. Freaking his, his bass lines are great on this album. Yeah, absolutely. So then we go to track three, which is Madhouse, which was kind of, uh, it was stunted by MTV because they, yeah. they wouldn't play the video for it. That's just totally ridiculous. <laughs> What was it? It was degrading, degrading. to the mentally ill, yeah. right? To the mentally, the, the, the mentally ill. It's like to me, that's just totally insane. That's and fun. especially, let's think about this. Okay, so the video comes out and they won't play it, and it's like, think about what the crap. Like, of, of course, we all know MTV doesn't even play freaking videos anymore. But like, if they do, the crap that's coming out now, it's like you're worried about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so it's tame. Like, you know, making fun of the mentally ill, but it's like the the totally like morally horrible things they're doing today you know that they let play on mtv is a joke yeah no kidding i just thought they were trying to say that their viewership was mentally ill and they were like that's why you <laughs> which my parents at the time probably would have said yes you are well at least vh1 redeemed themselves and named it the 40 number 46 best hard rock song of all time Smokes. Oh, it does, man. I always remember the beginning, the crazy laugh and that yeah. that whammy bar intro. The, oh man, that. Oh yeah. Like, it's time for your medication, Mr. Brown. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. And then from there into that, you know, the whammy well, bar see, intro. You see, that, that's wow. what I'm saying, though. All of a sudden, it goes back to Joey. It's like, yeah. you know, why can't survive me? It smooths it out and everything. Yeah, yep, that's amazing. I love that stuff. Well, yeah, the, me the, too. The funny thing is, is because like he talks about how he wasn't a big metalhead or anything, but when you listen to him sing with them, it, and, and I don't know if I don't think Rob Halford was even an influence, but I hear so much Rob Halford in his vocal singing. You do. You gotta figure it, Halford was at least an influence on him as a singer. I would think you know? so. But and just, you listen to the music too. You know, Maiden, Priest. It was. It's there's a little bit of that. But in yeah, Anthrax. Like, but like a lot of the, the thrash stuff. 
you know, you've got Megadeth, Metallica, and Slayer, and it's all real gruff, gravelly vocals. But that's but then Joey comes in and he's hitting these astronomically yeah. high things. But it's it's almost surprising that more of those thrash bands didn't adopt the high singers because Priest and Maiden were such big influences on those bands. Right. That's true. That's true. I I, I mean I hear that definitely. But it's not easy I mean, to find uh, a guy well, like that. Really you guys weird. talk about the uh, new of British metal. It's like my favorite new of British metal band is actually Samson. I, I mean, I, so. I I love Iron Maiden and everything, but it's like I think Bruce with Samson is like some of the stuff that just makes me go absolutely bonkers. Crazy vocals with Samson. That stuff <laughs> makes me lose my mind. I'm gonna have to go back and check I some will more have of that to out. Do. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, back to Anthrax. Yeah, back to Anthrax. We'll go to track four, which is SSC or Stand or Fall. I think this is my favorite song on the entire album. Really? Yeah. I love that song. I always I, looked at this as like kind of the weak point really? on the album. Yeah. Really? I mean, it's, it's got like the weird Vinnie Vincent kind of intro thing going on. Oh, no, you're, are you thinking of Armed and Dangerous? No, no, I'm talking because SSC and then Stand and Fall. Cause Cause, I'm going to bring Vinny Vincent up later. Because SSC is the, the the guitar intro part, right? Yeah. 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 tell you talking to sean was just so much fun and the beautiful thing about it is you know what you're getting here today is this great story about anthrax and the album and just them in general as a band but what you might be missing out on is the additional things that you're not hearing today some other stuff that may be a little iffy that we might not have been able to put on the regular show and of course some big discussions about kiss well that doesn't really fit into what we're doing here today so we cut that out and we save it for our vips Wait a minute, you mean the VIPs are getting extra stuff that I don't? That's right, they sure are. But you don't have to deny yourself any longer. Oh no, you go to decibelgeek.com, all the information's right there. You can become a member of the DBG VIPs. 
and there's all kinds of different ways, different pledge levels to get involved in at that, and you get all kinds of different stuff. They got their own special Facebook group that nobody else gets to get into, and they get to talk about stuff that none of the rest of you guys are privy to. It's pretty neat. I like it a lot. Check out decibelgeek.com or patreon.com. Look up Decibel Geek on there for all the information. It's a sweet deal for what you get because you get a whole lot. Also, a great way that you can help us out doing your shopping on Amazon, right? Of course, it's the holiday season. Everybody's out there getting gifts for the people they love, getting gifts for each other, letting people know what they want to get as gifts in return. Everybody's having a good time getting all kinds of cool stuff. The coolest stuff is not on a shelf in a store somewhere. It's at Amazon, where you can hunt down one-of-a-kind items. Stuff that you're going to be able to give somebody as gifts that they're going to truly love that are unique and fun. And Hey, we got people helping us out. They go to decibelgeek.com. They click on the Amazon banner. The Amazon banner takes you right over to Amazon. You're shopping just like you normally would. Beautiful thing is, is when you're done and you pay, Amazon takes their money, what you paid them for your products, and then they take a little slice off of that from themselves to us here at the Decibel Geek Podcast because you took the time to go through our link on our website. Simple, easy, you're shopping anyway, and you're also helping the show. It's a beautiful thing, and we love you for it. Another cool thing that comes along with that is we get a list. It's a short list this week, apparently. Everybody's saving up, getting ready for Christmas, I can tell. But here's what we got on the Amazon purchases. I don't know who bought them, but I know somebody got some Marvel Deadpool guys pajama pants. I'm down with that. That's cool. Uh, a couple of books sold, Doctor Who, The System Wipe, and uh, a book called This Book Loves You. Okay, that's uplifting. Uh, for DVDs, we got, uh, oh, cool, Roger Waters, The Wall on Blu-ray. That's pretty neat. Uh, apparently, somebody's buying an Adele album. See, that's what I'm saying. You're, you're doing Christmas shopping. You got a niece or somebody that needs some Adele or some Taylor Swift or whatever. Hey, they don't really need to know that they're helping out rock and roll. But they are. You're helping them help us. It's beautiful. Also bought this week was Jocko, the original soundtrack. Oh, nice. That's that movie about uh, that uh, Robert Trujillo did. Trujillo. Trujillo. Oh, yeah. Trujillo. Let's go with that. Uh, It was a movie about a guy named uh, Jacko Pastorius. And from I heard it was pretty cool. I need to check that out myself. Uh, For office supplies, we got an HP LaserJet Pro 400 printer. Sold for 250 bucks. Nice. We get a sweet little cut of that. Not from you, but from Amazon. How cool are they? And how cool are you for taking the time to do it? Other than that, one last thing on here. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know what this is. Bob Kona St. Croix Collection Vanity Set with Stool. 226 bucks. Sweet. Big purchases like that go a long way. But all your little purchases when you're doing your shopping through Amazon, through the Decibel Geek link, it all goes to help out. And we appreciate you so much. I wonder if that's the thing that, like, Kiss sits on and in front of and puts their makeup on with. Yeah, it's got to be. Now, I know some of you are doing your holiday shopping. You know exactly what you're looking for on Amazon. But then again, I know some of you are out there looking for that perfect gift and aren't sure where to find it. Well, let me tell you about our good friend here at the Decibel Geek Podcast, Daryl Alber. He's got a bunch of great stuff for sale over at HK Collectibles Inc. this week, including a ticket for an amazing triple bill from 1990 featuring Judas Priest, Megadeth, and Testament. He's also got a cool ticket from an Aerosmith show in 1976 on the Rocks Tour. And don't forget that HK Collectibles has over 300 vinyl albums for, for sale as well, and much of it is sealed up. You know, it's all really collectible, awesome stuff. It's 
it's from all genres, so you can buy something for the non-metal head on your Christmas list as well. It's not just all heavy metal, even though he's got a ton of that cool stuff as well. All that and a whole lot more, just head on over to decibelgeek.com. Right there by the Amazon banner is the HK Collectibles Inc. banner. Click on that, get your shopping done rock and roll style with us and HK Collectibles Inc. All right, other than that, we're going to get back to it. I mean, you guys know about Facebook. You like us there. Get in on the conversation. You want to become a VIP, decibelgeek.com. You want to see what our amazing writers are churning out every single week? Oh, yeah, it's way more than a podcast. We got the whole website over there. It's like it's like if Metal Edge, Circus, and Hit Parader in the, the mid-'80s to early-'90s all like combined into one and then became modernized and was only keeping up with music from nowadays and the stuff that we love, you know, and, and giving respect to the history of the music we love, all in one place, all in one magazine, and it's all at your fingertips right at decibelgeek.com. You know the rest. We're everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, you name it, we're out there. Hunt us down. Let us know what you think of the show. We're always looking for good feedback, and we love each and every one of you. So for now, more rock and roll from Anthrax. We're out on tour right now, people. Go see them live. get this you got these young guys in the studio creating some thrash metal kind of composite of different things you know and, and this is the stuff you're coming up with and you're getting all kinds of different flavors yeah mixed. let's let's put it this way the enemy is a great track um and i think that joey's vocals slam on that track um the whole you know screams in the night, you know, yeah. you get that whole like uh, New York kind of almost like stompy chorus kind of thing, and he smooths it out again. It's like you know, whoa! I love it. song on the album that kind of it sets apart from for me you know when i hear it it's like there's a there's a whole lot going on in this album you you can't just label this thrash album because there's a lot of different stuff going on a lot of different influences and this song to me where the lot other songs are like hard and heavy and fun you know this song is serious you know guys it's got like a a way serious like i said air was like my introduction into anthrax but the enemy is my favorite song on the whole freaking album yeah i mean again it's the vocal he kills it and the whole band's on fire for the whole freaking from from start to finish the whole band is like ripping it but it's like again it's just i don't know the melodic vocal sets them apart from everybody else and i remember seeing them in 86 
on MTV, and uh, I remember like Scotty and had like a like a headband on or like a bandana, and he was kind of like talking about how like you know the difference between like those guys and a lot of the other bands is like we have a singer that can sing, and they were actually doing AIR and like a rehearsal studio, and of course like the they had the Marshall cabinets of the camouflage and all that stuff on there. But I agree, that's that's what set those guys apart, and, and this is back in '86 when I was into them and. They were my favorite since then. They have been since then. That's awesome. I love it. Being into this stuff at 14 years old and everything was like so amazing. And and you got bands like I mean I'm I'm just thinking like okay Anthrax and then you know Nuclear Assault and all this stuff and like various things like coming out on Megaforce and so Megaforce Records has been like you know the classic Megaforce logo with the two fists on each end has been like in my like psyche f- since I was like 14 years old. Yeah. When this Spenazee's 30th anniversary thing came out to see that logo on there, it was like totally just mind blowing. I, I, I love indie labels and I, you know, I love record labels in general, but I love like, you know, history and minutia of record labels and everything. And it's like to have that mega force thing on something I've done to have a, the mega force thing. It's like, it's like, man, that is just so cool. Hell yeah, it is. You know, you think about that, like even Ace Fraley, Fraley's Comet stuff. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Heck yeah. Absolutely. Um, there's a girl named Missy who is basically running Megaforce now, and I told her that, and I'm like, you know, listen, I just want to say that, you know, I'm so honored and just to be part of your label, like, not even, like, minding, like, the whole universal thing, it's, like, more like Megaforce, and I'm like, you know, something that I grew up with, again, like I said, just, um, you know, seeing my name on stuff with those two fists and the logo, it's like, it's just it's just so exhilarating, you know. That's cool because you know it and you can appreciate it. Just like mm-hmm. Anthrax fans can appreciate that you're the one making sure this 30th anniversary thing goes off so well as it has, you know. And like we said, what a fantastic album to do it with. I mean, it's hard to believe it's been 30 years, and we're halfway through the album now, having a great time with doing this with you today. And the next song up on the list is Aftershock, man, and. This Aftershock is, is such a killer. Oh, Charlie's killer. Charlie's drum intro, Smokes. God, I love that song. Kill them all, and you look at Master Puppets, you know, Slayer, Megadeth. You talk about the big four. A song like that puts these guys up with them as far as some of the heaviest music that any of those bands ever did. A song like Aftershock stands right there with it. Holy shit, what a smoking guitar solo. Oh, absolutely. 
absolutely, absolutely. It's a, it's a total killer. And you've got that relentless Charlie Benante drumming. The you know, and it keeps on going. Yeah. But it's like the whole, you know, shock. But you have Charlie's, I mean, I'm sorry, Joey's, you know, melodic vocals going on. It's just, it's a killer. Yeah, absolutely. Dan Spitz's guitar work on the lead guitar part is like, you could peel paint off a wall. Yeah, man. It's amazing. That solo is freaking killer. It's a great solo. Absolutely. You know, and, and unfortunately, it's you know there's a lot of crap going on between Dan Spitz and the band. Yeah, I saw that. It's 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 unfortunate because I think that Dan Spitz. I mean, some of the solos are like again, those are like, like some of those things. Where it's like you could just sing it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, was, uh, it's a shame that it has to be like that. You know, but. Classic, whatever. I mean, if you you know, if you look at it's like an actual like collective whole, it's like the band was firing on all cylinders. I mean, from Dan to freaking Charlie to Joey to Scott, I mean, the the band was killing it. Yeah, absolutely. Again, that's something to say for a band being young and hungry, you know, not there yet, but on their way, you know, trying to create something that's new and unique. But this album, I think sometimes in the Anthrax discography, it gets overlooked a little a little bit, and it really shouldn't, because this is a thrash metal, if not hard rock, classic metal masterpiece right oh, here we're talking about. I agree today. totally. I agree. I mean, I mean like, look, guys, come on. All right. Anthrax is known for Among the Living, and which is such an awesome album. I mean, that the whole album smokes. Yeah. I mean, come on, who doesn't like lose their marbles at Imitation of Life? But well, you know that, what? It's, it's that album Spreading so disease, good that it overshadows this one a little bit. Yeah, Spreading Disease is such a great, great, great album. Like even like even them playing live. I mean, wouldn't it be so cool to see them actually play the whole album live? That'd be badass. You know, oh, not just cool. not just Among the Living or you know whatever. It's like there's so many great gems on spreading. To me, they're overlooked. I agree. And then, so let's move on to the next song, which is Armed and Dangerous. And let me just say, this might be one of the only cases where um, somebody should sue Vinnie Vincent for taking something of, the, of his because. <laughs> The intro to this song, um, Vinnie Vincent clearly stole for the beginning of the of uh, All Systems Go. Really? Yeah, the acoustic intro. Yeah. Oh, the first the first that few chords are it's that a straight up funny. steal, man. It's even been on Vinnie Vincent message boards with, and yes, those do exist. There were, there were, well, put it um, this way. you would know. Yeah. <laughs> and it, that, like, comparing them, they sound that, exactly the again, same. Again, that intro is just so killer, and Joey kills it. And I mean, I know Omni Dangerous uh, EP came out before Spreading yeah, and stuff like that. And, you know, that's like a uh, showing the world, like our new singer and all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, again, it, to me, it just, it just sets him apart. 
apart from those bands. I mean, it's a reoccurring thing I keep saying, but I think Joey's vocals are so awesome, and I just love how it sounds so different than everybody else. Yeah. Because it's, think about it, like, the, the intro of that song is so smooth. Yeah, well, having somebody like that singing in your band opens up the door to do a lot more than other bands yes. would do. So, yeah. So they had that a lot more freedom than Metallica or Slayer would have had. Oh, definitely. You know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned Vinnie Vincent in that, too, because I often kind of wonder, like, as good of a band as Vinnie Vincent Invasion was, what if Vinnie Vincent would have went, like, the thrash metal route? How good would it, would a band have been benefiting from having Vinnie Vincent in the band and what he could do for, like, a thrash metal the band? So, the solos would have made more sense in a thrash yeah, band than in what he did. <laughs> I, I don't know if he could have made it though. It's like I know, you know, Vinny's history and all that stuff. But it just seems like, you know, let's put it this way: you could never take like Vinny and like shove him in Anthrax. Probably not. I don't. I don't, I don't well, think personality-wise. Well, no, I don't think but... him and Scott and Charlie would have gotten along too well. No, there's no way. No, <laughs> I don't think so. But I've seen no like, way that hell. style of music. It would have been cool to see what he could have done musically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but if you think, if you think Charlie's having it out with Dan Spitz over solos, I mean, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it would be a lot worse, trust me. Like, you're the second guitarist. Well, you get your picture taken for the album cover, but that's it. That's it. That's all yeah. you get to do. <laughs> you know, you talk about Megaforce and, you know, how iconic that is for what they did throughout history. You talk about Fraley's Comet and Overkill and Anthrax and all the stuff, all the great bands that were involved with them, you know, and I think a big important part of this that we haven't mentioned up to this point would be Johnny Z and his, you know, influence on all of this. Absolutely. That is one person I would love to meet. I've never met Johnny Z and I have so much respect for that guy. It's again, it's like I said, it's, it's my whole love of, I love Megaforce and you know, Johnny Z taking chances and basically, it's like you know, like like Anthrax were like going to him like you know day in and day night, and and he basically didn't really want that their stuff or anything. And then they did the whole Soldiers of Metal thing, and then all of a sudden he's like, well, maybe this guy's got something. And then he was like the person to take the chance and say, okay, you know, let's do this. And I, like I said, I I've, I've got total respect for that guy. Yeah, because he was really on the forefront of you know the whole thrash metal thing. Oh and, yeah, you know, f- help foster metal. Metallica, the mm-hmm. way he did, you know, and it's it's interesting to look at this album because it wasn't that long before this that Johnny Z was working with Metallica, you know, so right. you can kind of see where these guys are kind of trying to go, you know, they want to be heavy like that because that's the Johnny Z Megaforce way at the time, you know, and so mm-hmm. they're pulling it off on a lot of this, and this, uh, the song Medusa is right along with that, you know, it's such an awesome riff, and this one actually, it wasn't credited originally. Originally, but throughout time, I guess, has become known as a Johnny Z written song. These Johnny Z written songs. Oh, the Johnny Z written song. True. That's the only Mm -hmm. song he's credited with. Well, damn, he did it. It, that's the way he you do it. it. You're gonna you're gonna write one song, you better damn make it count, and he did with Medusa.
I think, honestly, funny. this song, though, separates from Thrash. I consider yeah. this more of a hard rock song than anything else. Right, because you oh, come on, listen, that you don't listen. think a lot about the Priest influence, but this mm-hmm. song has got a lot of no, Priest but I fingerprints hear, listen on to me, it. Though, I hear Shout at the Devil Motley Crue when I hear this song. Yeah? Look, at, yes. I love Medusa so much, okay? But it's like, you know what? And I, I swear to God, it's like I mean this with like no disrespect or anything like that, but it's like, come on, you can see Loverboy do that song. Well, I've always know. thought that ever since I was a kid, I like ever since I was like fourteen year old. The Bali crew, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm Loverboy. It's total Loverboy. Totally. It, it's not a thrash song by any means. Mike Reno could sing that song. It's an awesome song. It's though. a great song. Oh, I love that song. I'm just saying it. It's just funny because it's like I just I, maybe that's one of those things where it's like it set those guys apart from yeah. everybody else. But it's like I could see Mike Reno singing that song. But that's what I love about the album as a whole is it's, it straddles the line between right. hard rock and metal. Yeah, because you know? it's, Me too. it's a thrash metal album. You know, people look back at this and say, oh, well, you know, that's a thrash metal. Masterpiece. But not totally. But if you really break it down and look at it track for track, there's a lot there's of stuff a, going there's on. There's a lot of a lot of stuff going on, a lot of diversity yeah. within this heavy metal that you're getting. You yes. know, and this is a great example of that, along with everything else we've talked about today. Definitely. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you guys hundred percent. But again, maybe that's one of those things where it's like maybe that's just like that little uh you know, as Nigel Tuffle would say, like that little push over the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> that separated those guys from everybody else to me. You know, as far as like those guys being my favorite of the big four. Yeah. Although I don't, if you're you worried know? if you're worried about Charlie not talking to you though, bringing up Loverboy is not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that I'm interview sorry, that's on Desperate Geek. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're done. Compare, comparing us to Loverboy. Send huh? my stuff back yeah. to me now. <laughs> don't make yourself any copies. Just send it straight back. <laughs> yes, but I mean it with like no negative connotations at all. I know. I'm just busting you off. <laughs> Jeez, I sure didn't think Loverboy was going to come up today. In this I did one. not either. But no, but I hear it when I listen to it. I was listening to it earlier today, actually on my ride over here, and I was like, this sounds like something that could have been on Shout at the Devil. It really I does. So. Oh, I can see that too. Sure, it's just, and I love "Shut the Devil." Oh yeah, too. It's a, but it's it's a great song. I I think it's one of the better songs in the album. Personally. It's got an Me awesome too. guitar mm-hmm. solo on it. I, mm-hmm. The weird, the guitar solo in the middle of the song when it comes out, it it's got like that that scream at the end of it. But it almost sounds like a harmonica. It's it's the strangest thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I I yes, I hear you. It's like I said, it's it's an unfortunate thing, but it's like I think like growing up, it's like even me, like I I kind of like took like dance bits for granted like I, I was like you know yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool solos but it's like even back then it's like you know but then you're like you know kirk hammett really just knocks it out of the park yeah, he got overshadowed a lot back then yeah yes and it's almost like to me it's like if you want to think back i think that dan spitz really did some cool stuff he did. and that's that's to me that's almost like backtracking because it's, again it's like um you know i was never like this like huge like dan spitz is like the greatest guy on the planet, you know, person. But I think that uh, listening back to stuff, it's like he did some really awesome stuff. Oh, absolutely. He totally did, you know, and he kind of, I think, had that same kind of vibe like Joey Belladonna had. Like we talk about Vinnie Vincent and say, what would Vinnie Vincent have been able to create in a band like Anthrax? 
Well, what would Dan Spitz have been able to create in a band like the Vinnie Vincent Invasion? What if, I could see him fitting in really well with doing kind he of could, the Nuno Bentoncourt kind of thing for a band yeah. like that. He was a bit of a technician; like he could do more of the the glammy stuff. I think he could have. I think yeah. he could have lent. But that's what made well to that. That was kind of a cool thing that made Anthrax special, though, because you had Frank Bello who could do kind of the old school Kiss, then Lizzie right. walking baseline stuff. Then you got right. then you got Scott who was into minor threat and hardcore punk and right 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 and then you've got dan who could do glam rock stuff but also do heavy you know motorhead type stuff and then you have joey who comes from the journey Journey type stuff yeah so it was like a really awesome melting pot of music i agree with you guys like five thousand percent i totally and then charlie who could play fucking everything i think think the dan spitz could have fit into any of those bands you're talking about like he definitely got like he was different like you know like Phrygian uh, modes and scales and everything like that. Yeah. So he's he's definitely like a like actual like a technician and and technically proficient with Frank Bello. I think you've got that hard hitting, you know, definitely a little touch of Steve Harris, you know, kind of bass style and you know using the song. fingers and everything. And like you guys said, you know, you've got like Joey who could be doing journey stuff, but then Scott Ian, who is doing like, you know, discharge and, you know, minor threat songs. And it is a melting pot. And, and again, I think it's what makes it so interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, and then before we get into the, the last song, Charlie Benante, man, I mean, I don't know. He might, he may be, he's my favorite drummer of the big four easily. Mm. I'll put him ahead of Lombardo. I'd much rather listen oh, to Charlie play than Lombardo. Me too. I like Anthrax better than Slayer, but it's hard to say with Lombardo because he's so damn I got a funny story for you guys. I was talking to Charlie and I said, Charlie, listen, I've been playing drums since I was like four years old and, you know, I can do all the fast stuff you do with your hands. Like, I, I'm very proficient and very fast as far as doing all that crazy stuff. I said, the thing I cannot do is I cannot do your double basses. Uh, his, I said, I'm really fast with, you know, like a single bass or like doing different like double bass things, but it's like I said, you know, your stuff, some of the stuff that you do on double bases is, like, totally insane. Yeah. So I said, do you, like, actually, you know, like, in the course of your day, like, do you do any kind of, like, weight training? Like, like what, do you do anything? And he's like, not at all. He's like, that's wow. just all natural. And I'm like, you're insane. That is insane, because you talk about a drummer be having to be kind of an athlete. You know, you would think these guys would have to work out especially to be able to do him. what they do. You know, yeah. especially a guy like him. Yeah, because he plays some stuff where it's just exhausting to listen to. Much right. Play. I mean, like, and I know we're not talking about the, the Bush era of Anthrax, but I got to say, no. his, his performance of uh, Nobody Knows Anything from We've Come For You All. Yeah. Oh, yes. my God. I mean, it's it's one of the okay, best got, drum performances you guys. ever. There is a drum solo from Sun Plaza from 87, which we didn't use for the uh, Universal release. And I swear to God, I actually texted him about this as a, like... This is the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, okay, so it goes along. It's like, I don't even know what song they play. They play a song, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden he comes out. And it's it's almost like some kind of like, almost like a Tommy Lee solo. It's like kind of, you know, and, and I respect Tommy Lee, but I'm just saying it's like, it's almost like, it's like, 
and it's like someone's got the speed volume going on, and it gets so freaking insane and so fast. It's like it's jaw dropping how fast his freaking double basses go. It's like it gets louder and louder because you could tell he's hitting those bass drums harder and harder and harder. And it was almost comical. And I don't mean that in like in a in a negative way. I'm like it's almost like how is this guy doing this? It gets so crazy. It's like <laughs> I think I think he blows away Lombardo ten ten ways to Sunday. He's awesome. No denying it. No, he's he's one of my favorite drummers of all time. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's finish off the album. Let's talk about Gung Ho. Gung Ho. Gung Ho. Gung Ho. <laughs> I love it, man. Another headbanger. What a way to just drop this whole closing album here. This is a song to kick somebody's ass to right here. When I think of that song, I swear to God, I just, for some reason, I just think of freaking camouflage-covered Marshall amps. <laughs> yeah? That's all I think about. It's just, like, so classic anthrax of that time. You know what I mean? It's like that's, it's like that, that classic anthrax sound, that cra- classic anthrax look. Like I, I, I get like this picture of, like, freaking Scotty in with, like, like a judge dread shirt on and, and the Randy Rhodes flying V. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I, I love that time period so much. Oh, I do too. And the, yep. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. talking about this album here today, you know, and how we've we've established in so many different ways how much Anthrax stands up to and also stands with the big four. The thing with me with Anthrax was that they always had a lot more personality mm-hmm. than the other guys that you would consider the big four, Megadeth, Slayer, and Metallica. Yeah. I think Anthrax always has a lot more personality and is a lot more fun to listen to than some of them other bands. And, you know, it's it's a good thing to be able to look back in history today as we look back at the 30th anniversary of spreading the disease. And I'm glad that, Sean, you're out there taking care of us with this new version, with the new additional stuff that the Anthrax fans have never had an opportunity to hear before is now available. Oh, I appreciate it so much. I mean, that's it's, it's a nice thing for you to say. And, you know, I'm, I'm just really happy the way that, that everything came out. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. It was, uh, what a what a cool feeling it is to, like, open up the CD book and see my name in there. And it's like, you know, these guys are one of my favorite bands on the planet. To work on this thing, it's, it's very touching and very cool. And like I said, you know, I feel good, there, you know, that it's in the hands of a fan. Oh, totally. You know, speaking as a fan... You're making sure we're getting what we need. And let me just say this. There's definitely going to be more. Awesome. So that is that is a definite. So that, awesome. that means you'll come back on the next time, right? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Big thank you to Anthrax for letting you do it and for releasing these new things like this. Because, you know, there's a lot of Anthrax fans out there. Any little new music, live music, unreleased demos, the things that you guys have been releasing. It's fantastic. We love it. Awesome, man. Awesome. 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 